0: you ever have your attention grabbed by just the oddest thing? I mean, not the thing that you're really supposed to be focusing on, but something grabs your attention, and rather than what you're supposed to be focusing on, you just fixate on that. Well, my struggle this morning has been with these um, candles. I don't know about y'all, maybe I'm the only one, but I'm thinking they're burning extra good today. It feels like I've got tiki torches up here or something. They're And I've just been watching these things, and, you know, it's, it's fun because we've got a floor vent here and here, and they come up, and there's always the flickering flame. And, you know, it reminds us of what Jesus said about the wind. The wind blows. We see the effect of the wind. We don't see the wind, and thus it is with the Spirit. We don't physically, with our eyes, see the Spirit of God here today. But yet we know that he is here, he is alive, he is at work because his gentle wind moves among us and it shapes us and it changes us and it draws us more uh, into fellowship with the Lord. I want to invite you to take your Bible and uh, turn to the book of John, John chapter 14. We're going to um, be reading John 14 21 through 24. I'll be referencing a few other scriptures uh, today, but uh, you don't have to look them up unless you just want to, and that's fine if you do, but we'll begin with John 14, verses 21 through 23. And if you would please stand in honor and reverence for the reading of God's Word. He who has my commands and keeps them... Father, thank you for your word, for how it draws us, how it moves us, how it changes us to be more like you. We pray that that process of sanctification, of becoming more like Christ, that that would continue today in each of our lives. God, we just pray and ask all this in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So the title of today's message is Southern Hospitality for Spiritual Growth. What does hospitality have to do with growth? Well, let's talk about that. The idea today is how to make God feel at home in your life. Imagine you have company coming. When that is announced to you, that company's coming, it's possible that you simply think, oh, great, we get to see so and so or oh great, we get to see so and so. But most of the time you you think those things, but you don't only think about the fact that they're coming. When someone says company's coming, there is an unspoken statement that says you're about to work and work hard. You're about to be driven by whoever is the clean, neat person in that house until everything looks spectacularly, wonderfully normal like it never really is, but we're going to pretend like this is the way we normally live. And for us, that's usually what we think about hospitality. We go out and buy food that we don't usually buy, and drinks we don't usually drink, and and, and we get our house like southern living showroom perfect so that someone can come in, and, and then they can say, oh, your home, it just looks so lived in and comfortable, and of course, you've been anything but comfortable getting it ready, but that's just, that's how we do it in the south. That's southern hospitality. Hospitality in in uh, the Bible times was just as important, if not more important, although it was a little bit less on the appearance and more on the substance. Because there was no Motel 6 to leave the light on. Uh, There was no Holiday Inn or other chains. When people traveled, they often depended on the hospitality of strangers. That is, people literally willing to take them in. And so, to reach out to someone to show hospitality was a huge deal to take someone in. It was a, it was a leap of faith. It wasn't just inviting your next-door neighbor over to barbecue. It was saying, I love God and his command to me to love others so much that I'm going to open my home to folks that I barely even know or maybe don't know at all, other than they might say, hey, I know so-and-so who knows so-and-so, and they're related to your aunt so-and-so, and can we please stay? And you'd say, yes, come into my house. That was what hospitality, it was, it was vital in the ancient world when you couldn't just go and, and rent a hotel. Jesus says there's a very particular way here that we can make him feel at home in our homes. Have you ever thought about making God at home in your house? We've all said, we've all talked about, we all reacted to the idea of company coming because we, we know what that's like and we work really, really hard to make folks feel at home when they're with us. But how do you make God feel at home? <laughs> because He sees that laundry before you move and hide the pile, before you stuff things in the closet. He knows where all those things, he knows about your junk drawers, all of them. He knows about all the stuff that we try to hide. But to make God feel welcome in your home is a lot more than simply washing, cleaning, vacuuming, straightening, all those things. Jesus gives us a hint here to how we draw close to God. And it's simply through obedience. I want to read through these two verses one more time and listen to them very closely. He who has my command and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And then you go down to verse 23. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him And we will come and make our home with him. Jesus here equates obedience with love for him. Now, if he was anything other than God, that would be an awful statement. If you met someone and you were friends and you got to know each other and you got closer, and then eventually this person says, you know what, Wayne? If you love me, you're going to obey me. Surely Tommy doesn't do that, I'm sure. But uh, he knows better, right? (laughs) But if someone was to say that to you, you know, the, the, the guard would come up. Because if that's another human being telling us that then they are trying to control and manipulate and assume a power and a control over us that no human being should have over another human being. And so I want to say clearly, don't ever let yourself be in a manipulative relationship. You know, once you're an adult, children, you do have to obey, okay? But once you're an adult, you're at that place where you respect authority. You have to listen to what your boss says and the cops say and obey laws and all that good sort of things. But there is no one person who you have to obey to really love them. But God says, because I am your creator, I'm your maker, I am your redeemer, I am your God. To love God is not simply the same as loving another person when you simply say, If I love that person, I need to do what I think is best for them. When when you love God, you have to do what he thinks is best. You have to say, I'm willing, God, even if I don't understand, even if I am kind of confused or in the dark and I don't get this, God, I trust that you know better than me. And so in here he says, he who has my commands and keeps them, it is he who loves me. If you really love God, you keep his commands. You obey. And then what happens? We, we might expect the verse to say, and then I won't zap you. And then I will not send a plague upon thee. And then, then I will not send you to the bad place. But here's what he says here. He says, and he who loves me will be loved by my father, And I will love him and manifest myself. A manifest is something that reveals. It's something that opens up and shows what's really there. As Christians we often have this idea in our lives that when God shows up in worship and we feel the Spirit and when He really touches us and when we have this amazing spiritual moment, at that point, then we're going to go out and really obey God because He's done some super spiritual stuff and He's revealed Himself to us and now we're going to go live for Him. But the Bible says that is exactly the opposite. Yes, he does reveal himself a bit at the beginning. But God says, that little bit that I have revealed of myself to you, I really long to show you more. I really long to bring you in closer and deeper and more intimate. I want you to know me better. But I'm not wasting my time on those who don't obey what I've already told them. And so instead of God saying, I'm going to zap you, I'm going to show you a really spiritual, deep, moving experience, so then you obey me more, God says, I've already revealed some of myself to you. I've got so much more waiting for you. But I'm not doing it until you obey me. When you obey God, when you and I take a step of faith, We we don't wait around, God, show me more, I want to see more. We simply say, God, thank you for what you've already shown me. Yes, God, I want more of you, but God, what you've already given me, what you've already taught me, what you've revealed to me in your word, I'm going to step out in faith, and I'm going to follow you in obedience, even when it's contrary to the culture around us, even when it's not what my family normally does, or it's not the way my friends think things ought to be, or it's really just quite frankly hard, and I don't want to, and I'm lazy, or I'm afraid, or I'm scared, or I'm selfish. When you choose regardless of all the reasons and all the excuses to say, yes, God, I'm going to follow you in faith. I'm going op- to obey you. God says then, at that point, I'm going to show you more of myself. I'm going to reveal myself to you. Listen to something to a very... Oh, by the way, before we move on from that passage, again, he says, If anyone loves me and will keep my word, my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Jesus is saying, you know, it's not just me... But all of us, the Father, the Son, the Spirit, if you want us to be at home in your life, if you want us to be close to you, then you need to obey. Listen to what he says in the next chapter in John 15. You are my friends if you do whatever I command. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all the things that I heard from my Father... I have made known to you. Jesus says there's something beyond simply being a servant. Do we still serve God? Absolutely. But there is a higher level of service, and that's to be his friend. And a friend of God is somebody who obeys God and walks with God and loves God. And God says, you know what? I'm going to reveal myself to you, I'm going to show myself to you in a greater way. That has ever been shown before. I'm going to let you see things that other people don't see. It's an amazing um, example of this in the Old Testament. Abraham is the one man in the Bible who is referred to multiple times in multiple books as the friend of God. Abraham was a friend of God. That is, he followed God in such great faith and obedience that went along with that faith. He walked by faith. He lived by faith. He was willing to even sacrifice his own child for God. He would do whatever God called him to do. And so he was called the friend of God. And if you turn back to Genesis 18, there's this amazing passage where God is about to... um, rain down some destruction on Sodom and Gomorrah. And the Bible says that God has this conversation among himself. And, uh, you know, that, that had to be very interesting uh, for those folks who didn't quite understand about Jesus and the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. How would that work? But the Bible says God said, Should I not show, uh, reveal my plans to Abraham? In other words, the idea is Abraham was so close to God that God said, you know, we're so tight, it wouldn't even be right for me to not reveal to him what's about to happen. And so he goes and he shares with Abraham what's going on. There's a closeness that only comes through obedience. I want to touch on a couple of other ways of looking at this. If you're hospitable to God, you'll obey Him. If you want to be a friend of God, you will obey Him. If you want to be a disciple, you'll obey Him. Most of us know the phrase, you will know the truth and the truth shall set you free. In fact, that phrase is all over it. It's plastered or it's on plaques, it's in lights, all over, and mostly at universities, all over the country, colleges, and places of higher learning. Know the truth, and the truth will set you free. But very few people take that in the context that Jesus gave that. In fact, very few people even know those words came from Jesus. But Jesus says this: if you hold to my teachings, Then you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. In other words, Jesus is saying, you're not my disciple. You're not my follower just because you sit around and listen to messages. Anybody can listen to sermons. Anybody can sit and say, feed me. Give me more info. I want to know more religious and spiritual stuff. Jesus said, those of you who actually hold to my teachings, those who actually live by them, you live them out in your life, you're the ones that are really my disciples. And then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. In other words, just because you've heard the truth, you don't yet really know it. in a deep and experiential way, there's a difference between knowing about something and really knowing it experientially. You can hear Sunday school lessons and, and Bible verses, but when you begin to live them out, it's on a whole different level. Before you get married, you think you know what marriage is all about. Oh, I know that. It's where a man and a woman and, and they say some vows in front of a preacher and, and And then when you get married, (laughs) then you begin to know marriage. You begin to experience it. You might have given the same definition before and after, but yet you understand that reality in a new way because you have lived it. And the same is true for many other things in life. And Jesus is saying, Until you live my truth, that is, you take in those words that you've heard and you've memorized and and you could recite in your sleep because you've been going to church since you were itty-bitty. All that stuff means nothing until you actually put it into practice in your life. That's where you build the firm foundation, is not just knowing the truth, but building your life on that truth. So if you're hospitable to God, you will obey him. If you're a friend of God, you will obey him. If you are a disciple of God, you will obey him. If you are mature in God, you will obey him. Hebrews five thirteen to 14 says, Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquired acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. In other words, the more you listen to God's word and obey it, the more you walk in faith, the more discerning you become. The more you're better able to understand what's God's path and what's the world's path. You don't learn that by sitting and soaking and and taking in more and more and more without ever doing anything about it. That just gives you more information in your head. It's taking in the teaching of the Word of God and living it out that actually builds you in a way that you become a more mature Christian and that you become able to discern. One other passage that I want to reference, and then we'll, we'll close up go to our conclusion. There's a, there was an episode when Jesus was teaching and um, he, was, he was making, you know, he's doing miracles, he's teaching great teachings, and all of a sudden somebody interrupts. And, you know, I, you know, I think about Jesus, I mean, anybody who speaks to others, they just have to deal, interruptions are part of it. Somebody has a bad cough, somebody has a baby who's fidgety, somebody's got to go to the bathroom, somebody needs some candy. I don't know, whatever it is, there's, there's interruptions that happen, and Jesus had to deal with that just like everybody else. And Jesus is here in the middle of his sermon he's preaching, all of a sudden, of a sudden someone hollers, Hey Jesus, your mama's here, and, and, and your brothers and sisters, they're here. Can you imagine, I mean, interrupting Jesus to tell him this? And listen to what Jesus says when they say, hey, they're, they're right outside waiting on you. He says, who is my mother or my brothers? And then he looked around in a circle at, that, at those that sat around him, and they said, he said, here is my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God is my brother and my sister and my mother. In other words, Jesus said, you know who's family to me? You know those that I really trust and am intimate with and I'm close to? They're really my real family? It's not a matter so much of, of blood or genetics. It's a matter of who really obeys me. They're the ones who are really family to me. They're the ones who are really close to me. And so it doesn't matter if your great-great-great-great-great-great-grandmother was a charter member of this church. It doesn't matter how many generations you've been a Cumberland Presbyterian. It it doesn't matter if you had a a father or a grandfather or a great-grandfather who was a deacon or elder or preacher. All this stuff that we often... Associate to how spiritual we are, how many committees we've been on, or what boards we've served on. Jesus, is like, you know what really matters is those who show their love for me by obeying me. Jesus wasn't trying to insult his mother or his brothers, but he said, they're kin to me by the flesh, but the strongest closest tie is those who actually obey me. So the question is, quite simply, are you walking in obedience to God? Have you hit a place in your life where you've kind of stagnated And, you know, you've you've been through some growth in your life at some point, but right now you're just stuck in the same place. And, and, And Christian life has kind of gotten kind of routine, kind of boring. Things are just not moving forward. You're not experiencing growth in your life. Based on God's Word, I would have to say you need to examine your life. Because God desires to show more of himself. He desires to reveal more of himself, to draw you closer in, to be more at home with you. But he says there's one condition, and that is that you're going to show your love for me by obeying the things that I've already told you about, that I've already taught you about. And as you obey them, then I'll come in, and then I'll reveal more of myself and you can begin to grow closer to me again. This is real easy when we're talking about this to think, oh, I hope so-and-so is listening to this message because they really need to obey. Oh, man, why wasn't such-and-such here when they needed to hear that? Because it's easy to say this is about everybody else. James said, James the brother of Jesus, by the way, who came to believe in Jesus, came to be close to Jesus, not because he shared the same mother, but because he became a martyr for Christ, because he followed Jesus. He said this, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. You can hear and hear, and hear, and hear, and be full of message after message, after Bible study, after devotion, and you can be completely deceived to think that that means you're close to God. I don't feel bad for Hollywood stars very often. There's not much about them that I pity. They've got lots of stuff that we don't have, but I do pity the fact that they lose most of their privacy because there's people out there that know about them. They've got posters. Back in the day, they used to buy teen magazines. Now, of course, they look at all on the Internet, but they know every single thing about this person, and they even, some of them stalk them online, and they see them in the street, and they're like, oh, my best friend, come here, I love you so much. <laughs> and these actors and actresses are like, ugh, you know, stand back, because they don't really know that person, they're just a fan. My question for you today is, how well do you really know the Lord? Are you a fanboy of God? Are you a friend of God? Do you know lots of neat stuff about him and you're full of facts and figures and information about God and you're like, ooh, wow, God's big and great and awesome and I know all about what he says in his word. Are you a friend of God who takes what you've learned about God and grows closer to him through obedience, through faith, Through living out what God has called you to do, He wants all of us to be a friend to Him. He's a friend to us. Oh, what a friend we have in Jesus, right? But are you a friend to God? Only if you obey Him. Would you pray with me? Father God, we're all delighted. When we hear someone who is gifted by you, perhaps an encouragement, and they come and encourage and lift us up, or someone gifted by you musically who lifts our spirits in song, or somebody who, who's gifted by you in, in teaching Bible study, and they teach us things we didn't know before, and so many other things, God, we can be encouraged by those things. But, Lord, I pray we wouldn't just take them up and, and hoard them, as simply information, but God, we would choose the path of transformation to really, truly know your word in an experiential way, in a deep way, because we actually live it out. Like James said, Father, help us not to be deceived by being hearers only, but to be true disciples by actually following your word. Lord, we pray your blessings now upon our lives as we seek to align them with you and as we have this time of discipleship. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.